Hello and welcome to the Flix Forum podcast, where each episode we go back and we look at a Netflix original film in the order of release. Today is a very special bonus episode where we are looking at the current 2022 Netflix sports comedy drama, Hustle, directed by Jeremiah Zagar, stars Adam Sandler, Queen Latifah, Ben Foster, Juancho Hernan, I always stuck this guy's name up, <laughs> Juancho Hernan Gomez, <laughs> Robert Duvall, and Anthony Edwards. I'm Jesse, and MJ's laughing at me. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. You uh, you really told yourself out of that because you were pronouncing it correctly before you pulled yourself up. <laughs> oh man, it's um one of those one of those names that uh I know compared to usually <laughs> I, mean, I don't know not, those names. It's not the easiest name. <laughs> yeah, true. Actually, this is not like some unknown like Spanish some... actor yeah. that you've never heard of. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we'll probably put a precursor out there. We we both enjoy basketball, and this uh, is a very heavy centric basketball film so uh we'll probably have a little bit of different context uh when we're talking about this one too i think as well it's obviously we we do films in chronological order by netflix and we decide when we want to do a bonus episode so this is purely one that we decided that we want to do because we wanted to do it <laughs> exactly uh well i'm excited to, to get into this one so we do start off with the fast flicks where we do a quick summary where we give our early thoughts on the film. So what's your fast flicks for Hustle? Yeah, my fast flicks, my elevator pitch. I don't like to normally use an actor's name in elevator pitch. You got someone as big and as large as Adam Sandler, then I think it's worth putting him in your elevator pitch. So uh, Adam Sandler plays a veteran NBA scout and invests heavily into an unknown European player to get him into the league. Lovely. Very similar. We've watched the same movie. Mine, I've just said it's a pro basketball scout puts his career on the line for an up-and-coming Spanish player. All right. Let's let's get into this. Let's get into the crux of how did this film arrive on Netflix? Yeah, I, I could probably talk about this for a very long time. There's a lot of, lot of information about how it came to be, but also a lot of stuff I found really interesting. So I'll try and condense as much as possible. I'm not too sure how deep I'm going to go for a second here. So we'll do a spoiler alert right now. If you haven't seen Hustle, uh, it is on Netflix right now. It is pretty new, so you can be forgiven for not seeing it. But we're going to spoil the hell out of this movie. Um, if you want to watch or turn it off, watch the movie, then turn it back on. Like Immediately turn it back on this podcast, and then you can listen to us while it's so fresh in your mind. But um, yeah, look, we've got uh, we've basically got this screenplay but written by Taylor Matern and, and A Star Is Born co-writer Will Fetters, Adam Sandler on board very early with this film. Uh, we know that him and, and his production company, Happy Madison, obviously have a very long running relationship with Netflix. Um, and and we've, we've got the, the crux of what this, what this movie, what this story could be. Um, Apparently, it was uh, it was Ted Sarandos, the the Netflix CEO, who said that Adam Sandler actually watched We the Animals, which is a movie directed by Jeremy Zagar. Sandler watches this movie, loves it, and he wants to get Jeremiah Zagar on board to direct Hustle. Uh, Zagar generally not that interested in the film. Uh, doesn't really feel like it fits his brand. He doesn't think he'll be able to make the movie that they want, or he assumes that they want. And eventually, he starts to get intrigued by the idea. He sort of enjoys the challenge of, of shooting a basketball film, but trying to innovate the way you should film the sport being played as opposed to, say, like an ESPN broadcast and the way the cameras are set up and the opportunities that you can have to make a basketball film. And this is 
one thing that can really get him excited is he wants to have the ability to shoot real players actually doing this. And uh, they kind of had that ticket to bring all that to life with LeBron James being on board as an executive producer for this. He was on the film from the start. I'm, I'm, I believe he might have even, they might have even brought it to Adam Sandler in the first place. So they kept him pretty involved in, in script rewrites to make sure that it felt authentic to what the way the league was. Um, he basically unlocked all of the all of the NBA for them. Um, he got players on board. He he gives it that stamp of approval, and it really did. Watching this film, and even before the we watched the film, it did feel like a proper NBA collaboration. Like this is a guy who's working for the Philadelphia 76ers. There's there's tons and tons of NBA players within this film playing themselves, um, and and that's kind of how, how everything got unlocked. Basically, LeBron James, we know, he moved to LA to to really pursue. A lot more of the, that movie career he's got, and I think everyone kind of gets confused with the fact that he wants to do some acting. He really does want to get involved in in and bringing these kind of stories to life. Um, the original plot of the film actually said that Adam's character was was supposed to find a phenomenal streetball player whilst he was scouting in China, um, and apparently it was it was pressure from Netflix, which we don't hear a lot. Netflix getting involved in this kind of stuff, but. Uh, China's not really on the market for, for Netflix. So we, they can't watch Netflix in China. So they're like, well, we don't really need to appeal to a, a Chinese audience in that sense. And, and then the location was then changed to Spain. Um, and then they obviously had to find who, who's going to be this up-and-coming basketball player. And they had a bunch of auditions. Um, they had an acting coach who was on board to help all the NBA players, same acting coach that Jeremiah Zagar used for We the Animals. And Wancha Hernan Gomez interviewed for it. Uh, apparently his interview was okay did it just filmed himself and his brother in his room um and then they called him back and they started working with the acting coach and all of a sudden it really came out i also have to assume that whoever they found to uh to be this be this gun new basketball player would have dictated what country that person is from <laughs> so that probably <laughs> helped so. as well um and then the less interesting stuff they start from this in october in in 2020 in in philadelphia the movie comes out Netflix on the 8th of June, 2022. Um, and, uh, and that's kind of it. There's probably a lot more though, but um, I found, I found that stuff probably the most interesting. Excellent. Yeah. I loved it. I think it did have a small theatrical run in America too. So the week before they chucked it in some cinemas in the States, which was good sort of showing, I guess, you know, you have a Sandler serious film that, you want to get into cinemas just in case there's some sort of awards buzz. I think that's probably the the main reason Netflix would have would have got it into cinemas just in case that um, you know. And we'll probably talk a little bit later about how how it's been received. But I think that's um, that would have been the the reason behind that because obviously they're very mm. select with what they do put in into cinemas. Uh, the, some statistics on on the viewing numbers. So this this came out on the third of June um, in cinemas, and then the eighth of June on Netflix. So we're, we're sort of two weeks after that now. Rotten, um, it's not Rotten Tomatoes, Netflix obviously put out some data. So in the first week between the 6th and the 12th of June, it was 84.58 million hours of this film watched worldwide. And then in the second week, it dropped off a bit, but still very, very high, 57.19 million hours between the 13th and the 19th of June. So a lot, that's like 140-odd million hours of watching this film that's a lot that's a lot. is there is there context for uh other film 
albums in that time? Was it number one on their, it was, on their yeah, slate? Yeah. So or? it sat, sat number one. So when we, we did a special on Interceptor the other week where that was number one, so this took um, over Interceptor as the, the number one worldwide film across Netflix for the last couple of weeks. Kind of works, Crazy. doesn't it? This whole this whole theory of you know no, no longer having theatrical releases to have that boom release. People are treating these streaming platforms the same way. I mean, Netflix has an abundance of films that aren't their own, but every single week they've got a brand new release of no one's seen, and it seems to do pretty well. Yes, I agree. Uh, the translations for this one around the world, I've never seen so many translations for a Netflix film. Um, obviously, they've got this into as many places as possible. As you sort of mentioned before, it's interesting, like they still have um, translations for China and for Russia, places that Netflix aren't currently in at the moment. Uh, so I'm going to go through a few of them. A few of them are uh, good. Right. Some of them are not so good, but uh, let, let's kick <laughs> off. So there's some of them include basketball terms and some of them don't. So for example, so Portuguese is called shooting high. So yep, we get that, that basketball right. uh, connection. Same with in French, it's called top of the basket. Excellent. Then other countries, they've sort of dropped that idea. So like Croatia, it's called Opportunity of Life. That's a very yeah. broad it's title. Very literal. <laughs> very literal. Um, in Arabic, it's uh, it's called Motivation on the Basketball Court. So they've gone directly with the mm. basketball reference. Uh, in Finnish, That's what happens in this film, though. It does. It does. Um, in Finnish, it's called Hard Talk, as in T-O-R-Q-U-E. So like the fourth sort of oh, idea. Hello. So yeah, interesting. Yeah. Spanish, it's called claw, like a claw on an animal claw. <laughs> so that's, <laughs> that's interesting. You're losing. Uh, <laughs> the, in Chinese, it's called the basket should be exhausted. So, you know, put, put a bit of pressure on that basketball mm. ring. <laughs> <laughs> Hungary, I don't know where they got this one from, but it was called everything on one page. <laughs> that's Get a different movie. <laughs> In Hebrew, it's called the abrasion. Cool. Uh, What's going on? In Poland, it's called life throw. So I guess you're throwing your life with a basketball. Sure. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Romania, they've just gone, uh, we'll call it great test. Yeah, okay. So it's a test for the characters. All right. Yeah. And then the last couple here are very, very, very um, literal. So in Russian, it's called break into the NBA. Sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yep. Same with uh, the Ukraine, a little bit different. It's called the, the road to the NBA. In in Vietnamese, it's called NBA race. So yeah, let's race to the NBA. And the last one there is uh, in Taiwan, it's called must win scouts. So we... Ah, <laughs> yes. The old, the old must win scouts. I, I had, had a bit of fun um, checking out those translations, that's for sure. <laughs> so I have to assume that hustle is, is a very American term. Um, the, the idea of hustling. Um, obviously very familiar we in Australia we have very similar pop culture references as America could do but um, that is that is very surprising because hustle kind of works in two two ways for this film and that's why I think it's a good title I agree uh, what's the what are the critics and the audiences saying about this one yeah well we got two weeks of data so it's uh, you could argue that there's not much but we've got some pretty nice numbers Netflix got to be very happy with this um, so far 7.4 out of 10 on IMDB 54,000 ratings uh, as of yesterday when I checked those numbers and Letterboxd basically this basically the same 3.6 out of 5 75,000 ratings so lots and lots of people have seen this and lots of people like it these are good numbers and, and I think just generally past the pub tests uh, 
a lot of a lot of our friends, a lot of people I know have watched this film. Like they they watched it as soon as it came out, and you know, there's been chats and discussions about it, and it seems to be to be pretty good for most people. Yeah, I think the the extra impressive stuff for Netflix would be the way the critics have seen this too. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes sits at ninety two percent, which is extremely Ooh. high, and it's actually certified fresh because it's got one hundred and thirty eight critic reviews. So that's uh that's wow. on the high end, um, and the audience has it at ninety three percent as well. So high all round is uh is a is a good thing for Netflix. You know what's funny? So what? Two weeks ago, you and I did a bonus episode on Interceptor, <laughs> and basically, as soon as we finished recording, you said, oh, you know what? We should have done Hustle instead. Hustle come came out the other day. <laughs> we should have done Hustle." And Interceptor was obviously not as well received. And when we watched it, we're like, "Oh, this is this is kind of weird." And here we are getting a, a real home run for Netflix a couple of weeks later. <laughs> exactly. Well, what are your early thoughts on this one? I mean, what's What's not to like? It's, I mean, I, I love Adam Sandler. I think I'm almost at a point where Adam Sandler is, is my number one. I, I grew up with Adam Sandler, so I, I love that, that Sandler humour. I love a lot of his more serious roles, and he's just a, he's just a stamp of approval for a movie for me. So I, I love Adam Sandler. I love the NBA. I love seeing the, the less side of basketball. I like seeing the behind-the-scenes stuff. I've, I've always been interested in in the idea of recruiting and, and free agency and that kind of stuff. It's, it's very interesting to me to see that side of it on film. Um, the use of the real NBA players and NBA personalities, I think really worked. They didn't overdo it. Uh, they weren't trying to be, they weren't trying to steal the show. And, and the ones that were main characters weren't playing themselves, but it fit in really nicely. Um, and the story, the story checks out. I mean, it's, it's not a story we haven't seen before, but, it all adds up. You, you care enough for the characters. You want to learn more about them. This, this movie just ticks a whole bunch of boxes for me. Good. Yeah, I, I think if I had the money and the connections that Sandler has, this, this would probably be the movie that I'd make as well. I think uh, it's a, a basketball fan's wet dream. Like, there's, there's no other way of putting it. I think, I think it's, um, you know, you, sport films or sporting films are, you know, often those ones that you, you go back for a rewatch or, or the films that, mm. you know, you, you, that sit fondly in your heart because of the motivational stories or you connecting because of your enjoyment of that sport and wanting to see success. So I think this has all of that as well as a good performance from Sandler. And yeah, I enjoyed it. <laughs> it's funny when you talk about, and we all know Adam Sandler's just got this pull at this point in his career, but nothing will, nothing will stand out more to me than the movie Grown Ups, which Ended up having a sequel as well, which was literally just like him having a vacation with his mates and shooting a film about it. Like that's the best. But like, I mean, we even we've done a lot of Sandler films on this podcast, and apart from the first couple, like, there's always a moment where he's like, "Cool, I'm going to get some locations in Europe or somewhere, so I can get a, a week away with my family and friends." And that happens in this as well. You know, we we get off to Spain for a bit, hang out in some nice weather. Then we'll go back and, and finish the movie. I respect it. It's good yeah. on him. If he can do it, do it. And you know what? He put it's good content. He puts out good content. Let him go. Let him go. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about some characters. Uh, start us off. All right, Stanley Sugarman. Um, obviously, Adam Sandler's character in the movie. His his love for basketball and his love for for the game itself comes across really strongly. It's probably the heartbeat of the film. 
And what I like about it is he's really good at his job. And, and even when he gets his his main setback in the in the film from the main villain of the film, which is you know Vince Merrick, who's played by Ben Foster, it's due to the fact that he's a really good scout. He's basically like, I'm sorry, you can't do this job anymore because we kind of need you over here because you're really good at it. And I appreciated that. So you got this guy who's incredibly competent, loves the game. That's why he keeps fighting to to better himself and and further himself. And I also, and this is where it gets a little bit like a nice movie is he's not overly neglectful of his of his family i know it, it's supposed to seem that way to some extent of how hard he works and his family comes second because on paper that's the way it looks but you know he's, he's doing something he loves and in that sense he's following his dream and that's a part of who he is so it's it's really quite admirable but fortunately he's got a family that, that gets it you know this is this is a part of who of who stan is and it's what we signed up for when we first met him and and they can't kind of be disappointed with him just fighting for his dreams and they get on board with it too. So it's kind of, it's a really nice fit and everything comes together and it's, it's meant to be, it's not meant to, I guess, complicate things and confuse you and make you work too hard. This is a great character who does so much right. Yeah. I think, I think with a lot of the characters, they give you just that right amount, like you've mentioned without overcomplicating it all, without adding the extra little layers in that you needed that leave like, probably would have left loose loose ends where they didn't tie things up properly. Um, and especially, you know, for me in particular with, with his wife, Teresa, and, and I really enjoyed their connection and the scenes with them together because uh, she was supporting understanding of the life on the road. And then the same with the daughter, uh, Alex, I think it was like, you know, they, they drop in little hints about, you know, she wants to go to college and do film school and they just add little bits in of her doing the footage and, and you know, filming the games and putting together the, the highlights package and stuff like that. So, through the character of Stanley, we got these nice little moments or little bits and pieces about his support network and his family um, without needing to go, you know, have a, a huge, you know, there's one moment where his wife's coin Latifah slams the door and like you understand her frustration in that moment and her, um, her, you know, um, inability to deal with that situation and him sort of deceiving the, the truth a little bit. But this is that guy that, that works so hard behind the scenes in, in a, a big important sporting organization that you do want to see him succeed because you do make that connection with him. And, and it's nice to see that he's happy to do things his own way and deal with the consequences. He, he's not afraid to say what he thinks and, and, you know, make those calls and he's going to deal with those consequences himself, I guess. And I didn't mind his backstory either. Like they gave you just enough to know that he connects with Bo Cruz, who we'll talk about soon because of, you know, his, his past experiences himself of letting a team down and, and doing the wrong thing and, you know, seeing that impact it had on his career to take a different pathway where he wants that success for his little, um, you know, mentor program, I guess. Mm-hmm. In so many ways, it's safe, um, but that safety is, is comfortable as well and that's what makes the film so likeable. Yeah, exactly. All right, talk about your next one. Bo Cruz is, is Bo next. Bo's definitely next. Um, firstly, how good is Wancho? Um, like, he's so good that by the end of this this film, I was wondering, why isn't he getting more regular minutes than the NBA? Are you guys not seeing these these, <laughs> these videos of him training? He's, he's a defensive beast. Um, look, he was, I think he was the right amount of troubled uh, for this kind of coming of age story. Like, 95% of the time, we see a really good dude. And the times that he stuffs up, it's it's really really justifiable about why he's he's behaving the way he is and, and putting things in jeopardy. Um, but none of it, you know, none of it is something that he can't come back. 
and, and even though the film wants you to think that ah oh, he's got he's overstepped the line here, you know he can't he can't recover from this. You know that he can because it's it's never that big a deal. Um, but the one thing that we that we need to know is is whether he's got that drive, whether he's got that drive to perform at the highest level and dedicate basically his entire being to being an NBA player, um, and, and whether he has the love for the game that we see Stanley has. And I like that they they strip it all back for us to see that. And I think he he learns that throughout the story as well. He's figuring out whether he does have the drive, and it's those steps that make him realize that no, this is exactly something that I want. And as a fan, as a, as a sports fan and, and movie fan as well, but as a sports fan. You're watching this going, God, like I have that drive. Give me that tune. It's it's impossible not to sort of hang on to that. And then when he does pull through, you, you kind of feel like you're part of it. Yeah, I, I think he has everything that you need for a sports drama or a character in a sports drama that needs to overcome the odds, show that growth, show that development, show that uh, inner strength to achieve those goals. And, you know, that, that doing the tough idea sole custody of the daughter working as a labor and a job you know dad walking out anger issues assault charges like you couldn't add more layers to the difficulty in his in his life so it works well when you see and you want him to succeed to fix these things or to mm-hmm. not necessarily fix them but to give the best opportunity for those that are still close to him and and prove his own worth so I, I did like him as a character. And I agree, the performance was excellent. Yeah, it was really good. I don't know if we want to talk about Teresa because we kind of have spoken about her uh, and you kind of linked her in. But I basically, I love the fact that this becomes a, a bit of a family affair. I love the fact that she understands her husband and where he's coming from. And um, it just becomes a really nice touch. Yeah, and casting Queen Latifah as Adam Sandler's wife, great call. I thought it was, they, the chemistry between them was great. She's such a powerhouse performer and you believe their relationship. Like there was no part of me going, oh, you know, I couldn't really see them two together. It worked. It worked that they were a close-knit couple that wanted the best for their daughter and also knew the importance of of the career that Stanley wants. So I thoroughly enjoyed them. Very true. And also um, I believe they're pretty which yeah, can, can go either way on the screen, but from all reports, as I started, it was just, Completely on the same page, and also uh, Jeremiah did make a point of saying he and he wanted to have a, a mixed race couple in here. Apparently, in, in Philadelphia, very important to have mixed couples. He himself is from a mixed race couple, so it was good to have that representation there as well. Excellent. Who else would you like to talk about? I just there's not a heap to go through with anybody else, but I, I would like to bring up Vince. I thought he was pretty good villain. Like watching this film, I really, I really hated him, and that's again why it just feels like a, a nice, safe movie. You know, you can't wait until he gets his own back, which he never really ultimately does. He kind of gets made to look like a bit of a fool, but you know, he's still, he still kind of holds his own with you know, his sister. Kind of takes over a little bit, but uh, they set him up really nicely to to be that villain because otherwise, there's no real villain in this this movie except for whether Bo can work through his Kermit. work through the odds <laughs> to get in there. And Andy Kermit's a, a different sort of fun villain, yeah. Yeah, I, I think um, Vince, it, it's like that spoiled brat. So you've, and, and I think that having the sister was a cat, I think. So the, the two of them almost polar opposites, whereas, you know, Vince, um, he's happy to throw people under the bus, just wants to do things his way, you know, respects his dad Rex's call and things like that. And, and it was 
I think it was really important in having Rex in his short time on screen as being that one person that believed in Stanley. Um, and that quick passing with Vince taking over, it was still nice to know that Kat was sort of on Stanley's side, um, just in the background. So having those those siblings sort of with the power, knowing that at the end of the day, um, you know, it's not that uh, that Vince disrespected Stanley or anything like that. It was just that he wanted things his own way. So you do, you work for me, you do what I want rather than let's work together sort of idea. Um, yeah. I, I, me, I didn't know Robert Duvall. I don't think I knew that Robert Duvall was in this film. And he like shows up in one of the first scenes. Robert Duvall is like 91 years old. That was such a good <laughs> get. What a, what, a, what a great role for him. And obviously it didn't last very long, but no, that was awesome. It was. Uh, Leon Rich, I wanted to chuck in here because Kenny Smith, he was all over this. Like, what a great effort. I mean, I probably would have liked to have seen him as a part of the commentary team because it's just such a, it feels like such more of a normal sort of thing to see him part of the commentary team. But, but, but like, he, and it sort of felt a little bit weird, but he did a really good job and he was like, he was given it everything. Like, he, he wanted to be there and he wanted to do this and it was a committed performance, which was believable. It's kind of funny, like, you got characters who are more main in this film, like like Kermit as well as Bo, but these these real NBA players, because their character has, you know, a lot more lines and is a lot more important, they don't actually play themselves, like Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey and stuff like that. But Kenny, Kenny Smith is, like, not playing a commentator. Like, he's, he's literally just, like, playing... A manager like has nothing to do with what he does. Like I get it, I get it. Like you got Bo and Kermit who are basketball, so they got to use basketballs. But this could have been anybody, and they still give him the gig, which is kind of cool. I agree. <laughs> is there any other characters that you wanted to talk about? No, Cal. I just wanted to mention with with Kermit how I thought I thought Anthony Edwards was awesome in this. Uh, like pretty brave for a kid. He's, he would have been like nineteen filming this. Davies first year in the NBA. He just went all out in this role, um, and I thought he was great. It's it's so cool to see. Yeah, I, yeah, great performance as well. Really good. I offered, but, and this is obviously from Australia. Imagine if we tried to someone tried to make a, a film about AFL similar to this, using real. I, it's, it's, I just can't see it working. I can't <laughs> see AFL players being able to do what Wancho and 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 Anthony have done in this film. It's just we just don't have it. I think that's probably a good call. It'd be too many scandals. Um, <laughs> let's uh the, the director for this one i think we've pretty much touched on everything we can with him almost through our other conversations but jeremy gerard meyer vega um like a big call to give him this movie based on and obviously it's from the support of others but hasn't done an awful lot in the feature film realm i guess mm. yeah he's from philadelphia which probably helps but um yeah directed a few docos award-winning in a dream in in 2008 yeah, and his first feature, We the Animals, in, in 2018, which I believe was on Netflix at the time in America. And that's why Ted Sarandos said to um, hey, check it out, because this guy could be your man. And and I, I kind of like the fact that he went back at Sandler and said, I don't know if this is to me. I don't think I'm your guy. Because you got Adam Sandler, who's got a very well-known brand behind him. And he's like, I'm not making that film. And I think he got to a point where he's like, well, if we make this film, we're making it the way I want to make it. We know Adam Sandler's got the chops. He's like, yeah, do it. That's what I want to see. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. All right. Scene time. Give us some scenes that you enjoyed. Yeah, there's actually a few here when I start 
started to, to list them out. But obviously, the, the first time we meet, we meet Bo, that streetball scene was great. I mean, when you're sitting here watching a guy going from stadium to stadium, you know, watching basketball players, he's trying to figure out whether they're good or not, and then just stripping it all back to these guys who just play on the street, they hustle for cash. Like, that was really cool, really well done. Uh, introduced us to Bo, who is just automatically likable and uh, wonderful, wonderful scene. In fact, I kind of like all the streetball scenes. I thought they were great. <laughs> And um, I think they used a you, lot of the, the mixtape and one players in those um, streetball games too, I think. Oh, uh, is they? Yeah, like like famous sort of streetballers. So, yeah. That's cool. That's really cool. Um, fast forwarding to when they first get to America and he has that, that first scouting workout. It's when he first meets, meets Kermit. There was really good tension in that scene and, and it flowed really well. I was waiting for something really bad to happen. And I'm glad it didn't. It felt like the wrong time to happen. And it also felt really out of character for the bow that we've met so far. Obviously, he missed a few shots and things didn't go well, but he didn't blow up like we were expecting. Um, so I thought that was actually really good. Um, and then I sort of skip again to when Stanley is on the phone in his living room at night, just pleading for the opportunity, basically realizing that everything he's done in this league counts for nothing. It was a brilliant acting performance from Adam Sand. Like, God, you just really feel it. Um, but that idea that you're so dispensable in something like the NBA, and it's probably the same in so many leagues around the world, is to put their entire life into these professions, but nobody knows who they are. And, and they're so dispensable. And, and all the contacts that he's got, like, well, I'm not going to put myself out on the limb for you. It was just captured so well. Um, the next scene, the light was more of a shot maybe more of just like at that moment. But when Bo saw his daughter and just jumped into the pool, I think that's when I was getting the feel. The feels were coming to me. This is the, the movie was building at the right pace and they timed that perfectly. There was a line from Adam Sandler that resonated with me maybe more than any other line. He literally said, I hate soccer. I really do hate that sport. <laughs> soccer is an, soccer's an atrocious sport. <laughs> so I'm, glad, I'm glad someone had the balls to say it on, say it on screen. Um and the last thing I've got is Adam Sandler's face when he leaves Bo at the airport. He was just, he was broken. He was shattered. He was trying to be so strong for him. And he's pulling it all together for him, but he just had nothing left. And, it, you know, sometimes you just see these moments in his face. And again, it was just fantastic. And I, I loved Adam Sandler in this. Good. Uh, good. I've, there's a couple of things that were, this is going to cause some good discussion, I think. I, I'm going to start, I'm going to have some good cameos because I think some of the cameos were some of the highlights for me. So I think Boban yeah. <laughs> and his son and the jokes <laughs> about their age were great. I thought they were really good. I really enjoyed Dirk good. on the phone pretending that he didn't know um, Stanley. I thought that was great as well. Um, and then just a couple that I just enjoyed seeing on the screen, like Matisse Thibel, Dr. J, AI, Brad Stevens, Doc Rivers. They were like just seeing them on the screen and it gave me a smile. So I liked that. I think it was They were nice good too though. They yeah, didn't over, good, none yeah. of them over right just mm. yeah. yeah i agree um the stuff like when um rex gives the assistant coach job to um stanley at the start i really enjoyed that moment in that office in the you know the tunnels under the stadium and then that follow-up at the end almost mirroring it where he gets it back i just liked that you know he's sort of uh back to where he started which is in that spot that he wanted to be and i, I liked that we saw that yep. journey of him getting back to where he was that was good um I enjoyed uh, Stanley's daughter, Alex, like begging to go see Evil Dead at the cinemas. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> that's cool. that that good. That's a good call. Um, and then the, the moment where Stanley tells um, tells Teresa, I've got the assistant coach job. 
and she gives him this big hug. And the one line of dialogue there that really was great for me was she goes, well, no, he goes, we did it. I really liked that. It wasn't like it was an achievement by myself. We did this together because you've got home, you've got our daughter, you've got all the other part. I couldn't have got where I'm at without you as well. And I just really appreciated that. I thought it was great. Really strong. Yeah. Um, Rex's funeral. The, there was a song and we, I watched this a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember the song, but the song that played that funeral. I love that song. That was just, <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember it. <laughs> I don't remember it. It was a great song. I wrote my notes. Great song. I don't know what the song was, but it was great. Um, <laughs> um, I liked uh, Bo's mum sort of making jokes about his big hands and saying he got teased looking like ET. I thought that was quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you do like this scene too, the the moment of Bo being reunited with his daughter in that pool. I, I thought it was a very obvious setup. I thought like you knew exactly where this sure. was going. But it probably could have been done better, but I, I still like that moment. So, yes. I'll, it's I'll almost like they didn't tell Wancho that he had to jump in the pool and he just like did it. It felt so organic. I, you knew as an audience, you know where he's heading. But I just didn't expect him to just like drop everything and just get straight. I, I, I loved it. Good. All right. Is there anything in here that you didn't like? There's only two things. Uh, I didn't like when, so when Stan quits his job at Philly um, and he has that fight with Teresa, it didn't really feel like the way Teresa would have reacted from the Teresa that we'd known at that point in time. It just felt like they needed to add some new stakes that, He's quit his job. He's got everything on the line. Oh, by the way, his family, which is his rock, kind of isn't there for him right now either. He's 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 doing it a bit tough. It just it just felt a bit like it wasn't a great fit. And the only other thing I got is you mentioned Leon before, and we know Leon and Stan have a good relationship. At one point, Stan texts him. This is a pet peeve for me always in films, and there is no text message history yeah. between those two. I hate it when they do that. It's such an easy thing to do. Just have like a few little things that says like, I'll see you in 10. Yeah, no worries. Sounds good. But this is, I always do it in films where it's the first message as if like, oh, I'm going to message Leon for the first time ever. It's just, it's not good enough. Get it right. I don't want the focus on their previous conversation talking about boobs in Spain. Like, you know, it's- <laughs> it took, it took me out of it. It took me out of it. <laughs> um, I started with good cameos, some bad cameos for me. I thought Luka Doncic was rubbish. And I also thought Chris oh, yeah. Middleton was awkward as. I thought those two were didn't, oh, didn't right. play the role as well as the others. Um, the product placement in this was a little bit on the nose too. Uh, the Pizza <laughs> Hut and the KFC. So they're, um, they're all owned by that Yum brand. So they own like Taco Bell and stuff as well. They must have paid a fair bit to get in this. Jesus. Um he has a federal donuts jumper on most of the jumper time as well. Room. I'm assuming that's yeah. a that's a donut shop or something. Apparently, it's a local Philly. It's like a real Philly thing. So the people uh, in Philly really nice appreciate that. Yeah. Um, okay. You like this? I didn't. The, oh, no. the Sandler scene with him begging on the phone for people oh, to take no! that <laughs> A yelling Sandler moment. I don't mind a yelling Sandler moment. Like in the comedies where you know it's it's giving you a laugh. And this is probably parts in uncut. You too good for your home ball. (laughs) (laughs) This is probably parts in like uncut gems too. That yeah, the the yelling Sandler. It's very. It's it's that that fine line for me. And this just didn't work for me. I was like, nah, it's a bit above. If you if you had sat there down and out, emotionally drained, rather than the yelling Sandler, because he's such a well known actor that we all know for his roles. Give me some, give me some depth. Give me some, you know, some soft moments there, and that probably would have connected a lot better with me. Um, okay, 
Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, last thing, that montage that went for about 25 minutes of um, shooting hoops. <laughs> oh, That's God. a long montage. Uh, that was that yeah. was ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. They did that, that montage. I was like, yeah, we're, we're going to get, you know, film for a whole day, get all this stuff. Like, oh, it's also good. We just got to put it all in there. Yeah, too much. But it was like the first half of the montage, he wasn't doing very well. Montage is all about, you know, progressing in a short amount of time. Mm. But he started off like doing quite poorly. And they just continued with the montage until he improved. Like, it's like you could just have a montage there and then another montage later if you want to do the montages. Exactly. But yeah, I agree. Pretty cool. Because, like you said, a montage is to condense time and this didn't condense anything. That <laughs> was long, yeah. <laughs> All right. What were some themes and ideas that you took away from this one? There's a there's a bit here, and it, a lot of it is that kind of nice stuff that you see in a coming of age feel good movie. Um, in a sports movie, it's not uncommon to see that real passion and drive. And I think the sport itself is a really important part of this, whereas some sports films sort of masquerade as a, as a family drama or a relationship drama. You know, this one, the sport actually is, is really important. And seeing that passion and drive, but seeing it through Stanley and, and whether he can you know, pass it on to, to Bo in some respect was, was really cool and a really important part of the film. There's a, there's a huge element of family in this, whether it's as big as it seems, it, it, that support, and you mentioned it really nicely before with that line from Queen Latifah, the support and that network and that teamwork is always there. And then the idea of sacrifice, and, and that's that's such a cool one. You know, sacrificing to, to chase your dreams is, is always admirable and, and noble in some respect. But I, at the end of the day, this movie kind of is like a buddy movie. This is a movie about friendship. Uh, I know they do have a bit of a father-son relationship and he gets that tattoo at the end to, to reflect that. But it's a friendship movie about two guys who are sort of, you know, having their own little issues in life. Uh, Stanley's had his checkered past and he's still, you know, he's still dealing with that in some respect and he's able to really pass that on to, to Bo and, and help them both move through it. Um, and the final theme that I've got of this film is, is the hustle. Like it's, mm-hmm. it is a movie about hustling. You, you need a hustle to get where you want to go. And we've got the literal hustle where Bo is literally hustling people to, get money playing street ball but you know that hustle stanley's had his whole career is uh it's a pretty cool way to to frame a film love it all uh, yeah i agree i think that father-son sort of bond idea you know stood through as well that the connected he's got his own family he's got his own wife got his own daughter that close connection and the respect for each other there as well as his ability to to build that relationship with with people that he believes into and and that, that ties in with what you said about the achieving dreams, you know, showing perseverance, working hard, living, can you live up to your potential and, and never backing down, you know, stick at it, you know, keep motivating, keep at it. Because if you've got the ambition, if you've got the talent and you've got the, the push through to do it, then there's every chance you can be successful. Um, and I did, I just, this isn't really a theme, but the idea, I guess, that uh, it was one of the lines in the film that guys in their 50s don't have dreams. They have nightmares and eczema. And I just like that idea that this, 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 he has nightmares continually about the wrongs that he's done in, in, in the past, the stuff-ups that he's done, but he hasn't given up. He's, he's, um, he's still pushing through, even though he's in his 50s. And even though he's old, he, he can still see the potential in those that are younger. Sandler's still hooping, by the way. He's 55 years old. Yeah. And he, I mean, he's been saying, obviously, they do a bit of a press jacket for this movie. And he's been saying how he tore his groin playing golf. Reckons he hasn't played golf in a very long time. Obviously, Happy Gilmore, so he doesn't know how to play a bit of golf. But um, <laughs> playing golf because during the, during the lockdown, he went, uh, they, they just 
as as you do when you're, when you're Adam Sandler, they just hired a hired a house on a golf course. He played like a heap, heap of golf for a while, tore his groin, and then he's trying to slowly get back into some pickup basketball games. I love that like guys just play pickup basketball in, in the US. It's just, it's just what you do. You just like with a group of guys, there's no official thing, but they just play pickup and he's still doing it at 55. That's so cool. We think about Sandler, we think about Waterboy, think about Happy Gilmore, think about this. Uncut Gems is almost a, a sports it's film a as well. Sports film. Um, the Longest Yard, we can, we can probably longest add it yard, as well. Longest Yard, 100%. Yeah. Um, he's, he likes doing a sports movie. He made a point of saying that when he was growing up, his main sport was baseball. That's what's what he was. That's what he was good at. And uh, he's never done a baseball film. Happy Gilmore was hockey and golf, and then you know football for Waterboy and um, and Longest Yard, and now basketball. And did Ridiculous Six have a ridiculous baseball scene in it? Is that or was that another Netflix film? It does movie? have a baseball yeah, scene it in it. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. He got to pull out the, pull out the baseball it. stops there. There's a little bit of ice hockey in um, um, Happy Gilmore as well, isn't there? Yeah, ice, ice hockey. hockey stick, ice hockey stick. All right, let's, uh, let's keep moving. What did, you, what did you take away from this one? First, I've got to say, I love how much they value defense. I mean, they basically made a, a viral theme about a man who you couldn't get a shot up against, which is just nuts. But um, look, what I properly take away from this film is it basically just has all the tropes of a safe, popular coming-of-age story. We, we've seen the story before, but you make it a sports movie, you add quality basketball around it, you attract NBA fans, and that also gives it a big buzz. They get to see these players as these actual players and it allows it to be popular in, in a whole other way. And the final touch is Adam Sandler and he's doing these roles with a bit more meat on the bone, which I love. It's not quite uncut gems. It's not punch drunk love, uh, not, but it's, it's a little bit more my wit stories. It's a little bit of click. Like it's, it's not, you know, little Nicky Adam Sandler, but <laughs> I just, you know, I think as, a, as as pop culture in general and as film fans in general, a lot of us just love Adam Sandler. I love him. I think he's the best. And it, it's it's the cherry on top for everything else in this film. Yeah, I'm sort of close to what you've said. I think that there are so many sports movies that don't have involvement from you know the biggest brand or the biggest league in the world. And I think that this doesn't get made or isn't anywhere near as good without obviously LeBron James getting the NBA involved for the NBA to allow and for the Philly, um, sorry, for the Philadelphia 76ers as well mm. to use their stadium, to use their locker rooms, to use their logos, to use their uniforms, to have players on board from across the league without that uh, almost tick of authenticity or the certificate of this is real, this film probably isn't anywhere near as good. Yeah, this movie is happening in the world we know it, like literally yeah. happening. Tobias Harris is playing one on one with this character that we've just met. It's 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 great. Except for Kenny Smith and <laughs> <laughs> the other the other one that I saw lots of hate for on the net was the number twenty two for the Celtics is retired. <laughs> that was the. I did thing. hear that. I did hear that. You can kind of let it go uh, when you see the film. Well, you know what, Stanley Sugarman could have had any number that we wanted. He's he's not real. Why why don't? Choose one number that you know that uh, one uh, Bo's going to get drafted by Boston. Just change the number. There's something ridiculous in like in the trivia, like you mentioned the other week about IMDb, and it's like the year 2022 and the number 22 was the time that the Celtics made the finals and all these connections. I'm like, oh, people are ridiculous. <laughs> There's some bad stuff on IMDb trivia. 
Oh, God. Speaking of IMDb, did you go on to check anyone out? Well, you just mentioned this guy. I, I IMDb'd Kenny Smith because I was like, oh, that's Kenny Smith. And then they like um, realized, I'm like, this guy's like a manager. I'm like, i got to check this is actually Kenny Smith, which is like doing a proper acting role. And of course it was. So that was, that was my one. Good. Uh, I didn't, but I was going through the list just to look through all the the players that were on the in the cast. And I got down to the end and it's like Fat Joe um, playing Fat Joe, as in Fat Joe the rapper. Uh, and I don't remember seeing him on the screen. He might have been, you know, how they had all those viral videos popping up with oh, Alan yeah, Iverson. He might have been one of them. I don't know. I like, like I remember having the single that song that was the, um, you know, do 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 do. What's love with that Ashanti? That was the. Anyway, <laughs> let's, me, let's man. move on. Yeah, uh, is, is Fat up. Joe in Scary Movie Three? Does he rap against Simon Rex? Possibly. He, he is a rapper, so. <laughs> Got to do it, babe. What's love? That's something. Yeah, <laughs> it's a great song. Get on it. Spotify it. Um, any questions? I got a good question. We've just had the NBA finals very recently. Um, Boston made it to the finals, didn't win. Do you think they would have won if they had had Bo Cruz? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> what a ridiculous question. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Bo Cruz has got it, man. He's got it. Bo Cruz, maybe not. Um, Wancho. Wancho. Um, I said Bo. I said Bo. they. Okay. They had Wancho at the start of the season. They traded him. This guy. This guy looks like he's uh, taller than Gobert, and the way that he gets up and blocks some of the stuff. He's great. <laughs> uh, LeBron produced this. Why didn't he appear in it? Does that take away from it? I was thinking that too. I, I wonder if that takes away from it a bit. You know, it, it is kind of cool having no NBA player sort of plays themselves and is taking away from this film. Probably the, the most you see is like Tobias Harris and barely has a speaking line in this movie. And that's kind of cool that way. I think LeBron just takes away from it. I think all you'd probably get that actually adds to the story would be like, oh, it's LeBron James. He's like walking past. He's like, hey, man, good luck. I hear you're doing great things. So that's all you kind of get. Do we need it? Maybe that. Maybe that's just my view, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know. I've just, yeah. I mean, my. Uh, the, I probably haven't said this on this podcast, but I'm not a big fan of LeBron James. So, to me, I wasn't going to bring it up. Yeah, I know. But I, and that's why I was like, uh, to me, even though I don't like him, is it like him in this? Probably doesn't like you said. Probably doesn't add anything. It probably takes away from the characters that we do get to see. But I don't know. They they could have done some clever sort of thing in here where he's just on a phone call or something like that like a, a cameo that goes uncredited and then like the true NBA fans it's like an easter egg that um, you know a phone call that that Stanley's making and it's actually LeBron on the phone or something like that I don't know true just, well, just like Chris Hemsworth an interceptor yeah yeah no that's, that's that wasn't a cameo that was a, that was a, that was a <laughs> um, yeah it's, it's a good then, question it is a good yeah. question I was listening to some another podcast on this film and they were talking about like Aaron Gordon like they didn't even recognize him so you know there are it's, it's interesting whether you have that that recognizability is that a word I don't know but that, yeah, it is. that doesn't matter either though like I, I think it's kind of cool if you don't necessarily recognize a player but you kind of yeah. get that it's a that they're That's players right. and yeah. without it being like the biggest players in the you know in the world I think it kind of works I, I, I get what you're saying if this film wasn't I, it's easy to say now in hindsight if this film wasn't as popular as it was you'd be like 
what a missed opportunity. But yeah. I kind of respect the balls they did in not, not going down that path. Good. I like it. Uh, last question, though. Like, how did Bo end up in Boston? Do you reckon we needed something to show us like his journey together? Like, just a short little... This is a great question. I had a conversation with a friend of mine who messaged me after the game and by, after, the game, after the movie. There you go. That's how, <laughs> that's how interesting. After the movie, and he said, oh, man, that was what, that's like the worst ending I've ever seen in the film. Like, I needed to see, like, Bo sign a piece of paper. And I, I don't agree with that. I, I think when you see that final, like, my big thing also was to see Stanley getting what he wanted. But when you see the final, the final scene and Bo's there in a, in a Celtics uniform and he's warming up in pregame, that's all I need. No, I didn't. I didn't need the satisfaction of him actually signing on dotted line or hearing it. It, it almost gets a bit wanky, like with the fifteenth pick in the NBA national yeah. in the NBA draft. I didn't need any of that stuff to know that it all happened and and to get the satisfaction from it. But I mean, obviously, it's you know someone's reached out to me already about it. So yeah, and I think I kind of agree. I agree both ways because if you do have a just a quick shot of signing a contract. And then the reveal of the team that it's the opposition and, you know, one of Philly's most hated teams that adds more than like, I feel like they're, as the, like, they're trying to trick the audience to be like, oh, look, he's actually in the NBA rather than tell us, yes, he's in it. Because especially when straight after that, we go to this huge montage of every star that was in this film with highlight packages of them it sort of takes away from um, that ending almost. I don't know. And obviously sports movies, a lot of people want that you know, uplifting emotional moment that yeah, yes, our good. character, like we've, yes, we've got Stanley's got where he needs to be and good. We've got Bo where he needs to be, but it was just like a cheat reveal. Maybe. Yeah. It, you could, you could argue that having a big hoo-ha moment of him getting drafted is, is, is cheap in a sense. Cause it's True. like an easy, and I, I think they went against that, but that, that idea of, Stanley walking down the race with Doc. That was my moment. That was so great watching him walking down the race with Doc. That was really, really cool. And then seeing Bo there was just like the cherry on top. Because then there's a part of me that thinks like maybe we're not going to hear about Bo and maybe it's going to be one of those things that's like you just got to assume or you got to make up your own decision. But then they just sort of pop it in. Oh, I, th- I actually think it was a really nice touch. I think it worked quite well. But I get, I get it. Yeah, I, I mentioned that um, highlight package through the credits too. Apparently, if you actually watch it and pay attention to the commentary, the commentary is actually, um, they've spliced it from other games, like over the top of the, the highlights they're actually seeing. So it's not the, apparently, if you listen closely, it's mm. the wrong commentary with the vision, which I think is quite interesting because obviously, um, you know, movie magic you've got to do, but apparently there's a few bits in there where they're, they're commentating like the wrong, like dunking over the wrong players and things like that. I wonder if that's a rights thing though. If you got the NBA footage, surely you'd have the rights for the audio. Maybe, yeah. Uh, hey, maybe yeah, just, just a cinematic thing. And obviously, they that that final scene was at a actual game, um, so they would have had to have something go with them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool, isn't it? Like actual game. So, one show you got to wear this this twenty two jersey for a little bit and film a scene yeah. with Adam Sandler before you go on and play. Because, like, you know, Embiid's not, like, you know, they mentioned trades and things like that. But, you know, the biggest Philly player is probably Embiid. He's not in the whole time. And the only time you get him is in the jump ball at the end of the, <laughs> the, end of the film. Um, all right, we ready to wrap this up? I think we are. All right, good. We give the film a rating out of five and come up with an average. Give us your final thoughts. Yeah, I, I think I'll happily continue to revisit this film. You mentioned that sports films are very rewatchable. Um you know, every now and then you hear about a movie that you feel was, was kind of made for you. And this is one of those for me. And it, it kind of had everything that I wanted. It lived up to the hype. 
the sport, the behind the scenes of the sport, the grind, the friendship, and of course, the MJ special. It had heart. You know how much <laughs> I need heart in a movie, Jesse. Um, so basically, where, where do I sign? For whoever made this movie for me, I'm going to, I'll pay the bill. It's all done. So thank you very much. I am easily giving this one four stars. Lovely. Yeah, I think uh, a movie in Philly that has the staircases and the rocky type <laughs> montage training sequences. And as you mentioned, the heart, the cameos, solid performances from Sandler. The NBA players were good. Ticks all the boxes. I think it's, uh, this isn't the easiest four star movie, then I don't know what is. So for me too you could say it's a slam dunk oh man <laughs> <laughs> bit of bang bit of boom um yeah good one good one i like it but yeah i think uh four is where it should sit and that's excellent for both of us excellent it uh is big. yeah we are on socials twitter facebook instagram give us a follow give us a like question social media question what is your favorite basketball film of all time I have a real soft spot for Coach Carter. We watched Coach Carter before, like, like the first day of year 12 as like an entire year level. We watched it. Like, we were away at like a camp thing and watched it that night and it was, uh, it pumped me up. And actually, what's that guy's name? Isn't his name Cruz? <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I, I do have a soft spot for Coach Carter. Good movie. Yeah, I I just, I made a list of like, and obviously Coach Carter's up there. Um, who's his? White Man Can't Jump. But if you're looking at docos like The Last Dance, and that's not a movie, but that's so mm. good. And um, Hope Dreams, Coach Carter, Glory Road. I'm going to go Space Jam. The I was going to say, you haven't said Space Jam. <laughs> the original Space Jam. I've got to go the original Space Jam. Not the, not the, you the didn't one, like the LeBron one. Didn't, did not like the, <laughs> the LeBron one. Um, no, I, I was, I was sitting, sitting next to you in, in the movie watching Space Jam, and the first like five minutes is just like a montage of how great LeBron is. <laughs> it's like, oh, you poor soul. You know, I I've not, actually got a like, LeBron poster in the background right now. Yeah. You can see. I did not smash that movie as hard as some people did. I didn't. I wasn't True. completely horrendous to it, but the original Space Jam just has that childhood moment in my heart of going yeah. to the movies, having the picture book reading the book before bed, you know, just as collecting the Tarzos, all that sort of stuff. It was just one of those. And you still do all that stuff, which is nice. <laughs> reading the picture book before bed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not very advanced in my reading levels. I'm still, still on level two. So need lots of pictures. <laughs> um, but yeah. All right. Um, as always, like it's always, always good to catch up. We do have a huge, huge catalog um, over 200 episodes of Netflix original films. So jump on, check some out, do a search. And uh, we'll be back normal time on Wednesday. Looking forward to it, man. Excellent. And uh, thank you.